Brie, come get your son. He's being so bad. <laughs> He's knocked over wine. He has tried to knock over the flower va- the vase of flowers. Try to walk on the computer. <laughs> yeah. on the carpet right now that's I, fine oh, there's something inside the carpet oh i bet it's what um uh jesse was chewing on last week <laughs> it's like part of a doll or something or what if it's what if it's ghosty i don't it's not it's i know it's a reese's pieces <laughs> see he did like them he's having fun with them how cute oh good okay um this is our podcast true crime paranormal that's yeah, free and that is Amy, and it is the holiday season. What's with the snow outside and your neighbors out back? Shitting, cleaning out the shitter. It's the shitter's full. The most wonderful time of the year for murder. In my, in my opinion... It's the most terrible time of year here. <laughs> it is. But, you know, it But does, Christmas brightens it up a little bit. It so does. It, and it's why we put up our lights, like, we super early. Ha- yes. And we have Christmas snow. We have a white... We Guaranteed a white we Christmas. Always, we have a white Halloween. It's well, very... True. It's very enchanting. So, <laughs> you know, if you want... A magical Christmas. Come to the North Pole, everybody. It is beautiful. It is fun to see the uh, visitors yeah. that come yeah. by and they Get take the pictures and stuff. Yeah. and stuff. That's really cute. Do you know I realized what I love today? So I was looking out uh, through our back our back windows. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like all those pine trees or whatever. and uh, Or like Christmas trees, like uh-huh. the evergreen. And the sun was just coming out or coming oh, out of the clouds. Yeah. And it was like... Probably 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you know, sunrise, normal time. Right. And just the tips of them were shining the sun, but the sun was like orange or pink. (gasps) And like the tips of the trees all looked like they were red or like pink glowing. It was so pretty. Oh. And I love, have you, have you, I mean, you've seen that before. I'm sure I have. Yeah. It's so pretty though. And it's, you don't get that anywhere else. No, you do not. You're correct. It's very neat. You also don't get 11 o'clock sunrises. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's great here. I go to work in the dark and I come home in the dark. <laughs> so much fun. Do you want to hear a neighborhood story? Yes, please. Uh, so this one is uh, from Amy. <laughs> printed for, straight from her computer. Oh, Because <laughs> like, Amy what? was smart all, and printed out a bunch all of Christmas themed ones. Oh, this one's yeah. from Nextdoor. And it says, snowman arms for sale. Only $30 a pair. <laughs> I sell snowman arms. Uh, $30 a pair. What? $30 a pair. That's 60 Oh, $30 for both of them. Yeah. So, like, if you want a deal, if you only need one arm, can you just pay, like, 15 and get one of them? Maybe. You know, I've seen that here a lot where people will mess around on Facebook Market and sell snowmen or they'll sell, they'll sell like, piles of snow. Yeah. Are you, what is with you guys to this evening, this wintry day? <laughs> Leon's like, what are you doing? What are you into? Uh, so th- what's the pic? The picture is just uh, two snowman sticks, two snowman two, arms, two twigs, two twigs. They got three fingers, you know, like a normal snowman yeah. would. Actually, that's a pretty good. That's actually a pretty good snowman. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's good quality. Yeah. You know, looks like it was 30. freshly picking yeah. or fallen. I and, don't know. And um, or twindled. Twindled? Is it twindled? It would make a lovely frosty. Yeah, we twindled, can't make yeah. snowmen here, so. Yeah, what? Do you want? Did you ever have I ever showed you the snowman that Josh made our first ha- winter here? Was it your first? Is it was it the first snowfall? The first and last snowfall you can make snowman because the snow's because the snow's wet. Yeah. So I wanted to do another story, a different story. This is not the original story that I wanted to do, but the other story that I wanted to do, I couldn't find it. Like I know it's out there. Okay, that's a lie. I could find it, but. Uh, the new daily news miner wanted me to pay money. Yeah, what is with that? And I was like, I'm not paying money for that. I know. Like Wikipedia, honestly, I do donate. I started donating yeah, because I they make to them me too. feel bad. Yeah. Every time they're I like, know. oh, we noticed you visited this, this site three times today. You could donate or you could not. And I'm like, cool, that makes me feel bad. 
like, oh, it needs profits and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, fine, I'll donate like I 25 donate, like, cents a month or but something. But also, people, go donate to Wikipedia because we all use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a non-profit, so go donate like five bucks and it's not like you have to like subscribe you can donate to 25 cents you can donate as yeah. little as you want every penny counts yeah i i donate like once a year whenever that pop up that thing pops up saying that like it's i think i did like a monthly of like a dollar oh i didn't know you, you do, do monthly that. yeah I, i'll just like it's normally towards the end of the year that it pops up i think and so i'll donate like five or ten bucks depending on how generous i'm feeling um also don't donate Here's a PSA for those that don't know. Do when you go to a store and they're like, "Do you want to donate five dollars to the children's blah 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 or your local food oh, yeah. bank?" Don't, don't do it because if you don't know, they turn around and they take that money that they have collected from everybody and then they donate it and get a tax break. Yep. And go don't if you want to donate to the, that. Yeah, that's exactly what Josh always tells me. He's like, "Don't do that." Yeah. And I'm like, you're so mean. He's like, no, 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 they're doing it to get a tax break. He's yeah. like, if you want to donate to them, then go donate them to yourselves. Yeah. I, and it's, oh, not, it's not like a matter of like, I want to get the credit. No, it's a donate of they're being selfish. Yeah, by, they're taking our money and know. then getting the tax break for it. One thing I do feel bad about is when they ask you, like, do you want to round up to the nearest dollar? And I'm just oh, like. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's only it's only one cent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if it's like a couple of pennies, I'm like, sure. But if yeah. it's like over 10 cents, I'm like, no. Nope. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Please go donate to us on Patreon, guys. <laughs> We're having <laughs> a really great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh Dang. my eyes are watering okay so anyway so instead i'm gonna do this other story and it hit me in the feels and you'll see why pretty soon um <clears throat> i'm gonna tell you about the north pole sleigh ride uh, oh okay uh okay. that was the title of the episode and i thought of stealing that so it's actually i'm gonna tell you about oh wait hold on where did they dub them are you going to cry? No. I'm going to take that back out. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you about the North Pole serial killer. Oh. Okay. So. Dark. Uh, not the North Pole, I should say. I should say North Pole serial killer. Like North Pole, Alaska. North Pole, Alaska. <gasps> no. I don't want to hear this. I'm scared. I know. <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, man. It was. It was. I don't know. It hit me in the feels for some reason. Not in the feels like crying. Yeah. But like. Too close to home. Too close to home. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. So we all know Brie and I live in North Pole. It is 125 miles from the Arctic Circle. Um, Alaska is famous for the spectacular natural sky phenomena, the Aurora Borealis, also known as the Northern Lights. Uh, Also, I love that we were just talking about what it's like to live here. And now I'm like, now you're doing a story on North Pole. (laughs) It's cool. It's funny. Many Alaskan natives believe in a folklore that the northern light symbolize those who have fought a violent death. Oh. And if it's quiet enough, sometimes you can hear the crackling, similar to like a fire crackling, coming from the lights. And this is to believe that the spirits attempting to communicate with those on earth. Oh, wow. Is that cool? Yeah, I've that. never heard that before. I wish I could see you. Sorry. So... <laughs> Which I thought was really cool and uh, just kind of paints a picture for this yeah. story. Oh, cool. That doesn't, pay, it, it puts an a atmosphere onto yeah. this story. So it was the summer of 1980 and 11-year-old Doris, I'm going to butcher her last name, O-Ring, O-Ring was a typical kid. She was full of energy. She had her, an older brother and parents. Obviously, like I don't, I don't know why I put that in there. Uh, she played the trumpet and loved. Uh, she loved to sw- sing with her friends. Like she would take turns singing with her friends. Um, on June thirteenth, nineteen eighty, she was riding her bike home from swim lessons, which it was more than likely from Westcott Pool. Yeah, because yeah. that's the only pool here. Yeah. Um. And. <laughs> Which Alice has taken swim lessons from there, so... Oh, and more in the fields. Yeah, more in the fields. So, and she's 11 and riding her bike. I don't know. It just bothered me. So, she never arrived home, unfortunately. Oh, no. 
They called her friend's house asking if she was there because she mentioned that she might stop by her friend's house on the way home. And she's like, no, she never came by. Um, or asking, like, do you know where she was? No one knew where she was. And she was initially flagged as a runaway because that was what you do in the 80s. That was easy. <laughs> yeah. That afternoon, while doing search for her, the northern the North Pole Police Department and troopers, state troopers found Doris's bike along Badger Road. Oh, no. Roughly, oh, man. That's really... N- I know. I don't like this story. I know. <laughs> Roughly 20 feet from the road in the bushes. Oh. And just to kind of paint a picture for those that don't know what Badger Road is, it's a main, it's one of the main commute roads from North Pole to Fairbanks. Yeah, it's like off. It's, yeah, I mean, you either take the freeway or you take Badger Road. Yeah. And there's... And like everybody lives off of Badger. Everyone lives off of Badger, yeah. And I actually talked to uh, a local here uh, that we know... Um, and I asked him, you know, you, you lived in North Pole in the eighties. What was it like? Was Badger Road busy? And he said, yes, it was still one of the main roads you used. It wasn't as, it wasn't as busy as it is now, but it was still pretty busy because we've had dozens of new communities. um, military come in. Yeah. Um, the bike path on Badger was not paved. It was a dirt path, but there was still, like, really nowhere to pull over unless you, like, pulled off onto a side road. Gotcha. So, kind of just paints that picture for everybody. Um, so, because of this, finding the bike, the investigators determined that the person that took, possibly, possibly took Doris, hid on a side road or a driveway and snatched her while she rode by. A witness later came forward stating that they saw a blue vehicle near where the bike was found. They said that the driver was messing with something in the passenger seat, but they couldn't see what it was. Okay. Doris's brother also told police of a strange encounter he had while biking along Badger with his sister the day before she disappeared. The man had a blue car with his hood up and Doris was ahead of her brother and so she like he the guy stopped her to talk to her, and then by the time he scared me, <laughs> well he's going like this. By the time her brother caught up, the guy had you know he saw her brother, and so he put the hood down and got in the car and took off. Ugh. So the brother didn't even get to talk to the guy, but he saw him. That's good. Yes, he saw him. Um, a composite sketch was created. And- I love seeing those. They all look the same. They're terrible. <laughs> oh my god. What is wrong with you? What did you give your cat? What did you give our son? Oh, sorry. I gave him catnip. <laughs> did you really? No. It's my boots. <laughs> so a, a composite sketch was created and it looked like a, a typical mid 30s, mid 20s guy. With a faded haircut and aviator glasses and a mustache. Ah. Despite a massive foot, dog, and air search, there was no leads of where Doris could have gone. Her father once, he found, this is really sad. So her dad obviously found out right away that she was missing. And he owned a store downtown in Fairbanks. And he came home and he had he never went back to work. Oh. He shut down his business and he would sit outside his window and just hope that she would come home. I know. It was so sad. Oh, I don't blame him. Um he believed that, you know, ho- that him being home would bring her home and it's so I mean, what do you do? You can't go and like you feel like you need to be home doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So, in an instant, the entire community was held hostage. Because no one knew where this person was. And, you know, to make things worse, it actually wasn't the first unsolved abduction in that year. Uh, It's the 80s. Yep. So eight months earlier, a young boy that was hunting near the gravel pit near the highway 20, uh, near the highway, 23 miles south of Fairbanks, found a decomposing corpse of a young woman. (sighs) She was laying on her back. 
fully clothed with no signs of sexual assault, she had been strangled and shot oh, in the no. head with a 38 caliber oh, no. caliber bullet, which they found the casings for near her near the crime scene. Okay. The body belonged to 19-year-old Glinda Sodeman, the daughter of an Alaskan state trooper. So it wasn't uh it wasn't Doris. It wasn't Doris. No, this was, was someone a nineteen-year-old okay. girl. Yeah. Oh man, that's sad. Wow, the state trooper. Jeez. Yeah. Ballsy. So Glinda had just gotten married to a military soldier. He reported her missing roughly two months before. So he reported her. He like came home. The baby was in the crib, and he's like, "Where oh, are they you, had a baby?" Yeah. Um. So. Obviously, the troopers brought her, her, the husband in because that's the first suspect always, no matter what. He agreed to take a polygraph test and failed, but there was no way that they could tie him to the case, so they had to let him go. Five weeks later, 16-year-old Wendy Wilson and her friend planned to walk to the Olps residence. Wendy had a boyfriend that lived there, the son, and her boyfriend's mom offered to give her a ride, but they declined and decided to walk instead. Smart. She... Kind of. She started... Like walking all the way to Anchorage? No, no, no. no, um, Oh, walking to... Okay, that's right. She's walking to her boyfriend's house. Okay, okay, okay. So, I mean... If you want, like, it's cooler to walk. Yeah, you don't have to be around, like, grown-ups. Yeah. So bears and moose. That's true. I'm so scared to go outside here. (laughs) No, me too. (laughs) So, however, at the last minute, her friend decided to walk home instead, so they parted ways. Uh, A white truck passed her friend and went straight up to Wendy, and uh, Wendy's friend turned around and saw the truck stop, and Wendy was talking to the person in the truck, and that was the last time that Wendy was seen. Okay. Uh, Wendy's body was found three days later. She was fully clothed and was strangled and shot in the head. (sighs) Same thing as the The state trooper. Yep. He is being such a butt. I I don't know. (laughs) He's like attacking me like every few. I'm not even doing anything, and he keeps on attacking me. He wants you to play. He's like, you always want me to play with you. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Uh, the troopers were hung up on the two discrepancies in the three cases that we have had so far. So we have Doris's, we have the state troopers, like the, and we have all the things that match. Uh, the uh, things that don't match. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I wish Do the camera mean? could catch this. <laughs> You got what you wanted. <laughs> You're the star. Um, they were hung up on two discrepancies in the three cases between Doris, Wendy, and the vehicles were not the same. So we have a blue car and a white truck now. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. That's yeah, a big so, difference. So they're like, hmm, are they connected? But they were worried that there was actually multiple murderers. So the troopers put every male... In the Fairbanks North Star Borough on the suspect list. They then... Every male? Every male. Oh my gosh. And then they eliminated the very young and the very old. Because we know that's a guy in his mid-something. Right, we're right. So that left them with 15,000 possibilities. Then the body of 21-year-old Marlene Peters was found near Isleson Air Force Base. She was strangled and shot in the head with a 16-gauge shotgun, which is... uh, So she was strangled and shot. Yeah. And Isleson is roughly a 10-minute drive, depending on how fast you drive, um, from North Pole. Marlene wanted to go down to Anchorage to see her father, who was sick with cancer. She had no way to get down there, so she decided... What everyone else did in the 70s and 80s and hitchhike. Uh, of course. She was last seen in Fairbanks preparing to make the trip down there. No one saw her get into the vehicle. So, yeah. I'm so sorry. This this is a heavy one. So, the police teamed up with Fort Wainwright, Isleson Air Force Base, North Pole Police, and Fairbanks Police Department in hopes to find this person. And hopefully 
find Doris alive because they still haven't found her right. body. Yeah. Oh gosh, I thought he saw my ears, my earrings. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't. see them now. <laughs> what you got there, mom? Um, they narrow in on Glinda Sodaman's husband, though. Oh my gosh, Tony. <laughs> He wants to see your earrings. Do you want to see my earrings? Do you want to see them? This is a good episode for Patreon. <laughs> He's being such a butt. If you like cats, join Patreon. Uh, and also so handsome. And he's on my papers. <laughs> Tony's top. Uh, they're not in here. Did he leave? He must have left. No, he's under you. He's under you. Oh, hi, baby. Uh, so they they now narrow in on Glinda Sodaman's husband because he was still considered a suspect in the death of the state trooper's daughter. He took another polygraph test and it came back inconclusive. So they had to release him again. See, that's uh, like I feel like I would fail a polygraph test yeah. too because like it they can mess up like if you're nervous, right? Yeah. Like I would just be nervous. I would naturally, just be nervous. Yes, and exactly. I would be so afraid to take a polygraph test. Yeah, but like then again, they're they're typically right. Yeah, or a lot of times they're right. Let me just <laughs> I watched Meet the Parents last night. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, I haven't seen this one in a long time. That poor guy. <laughs> That's a good movie. Are you lying to me, fucker? <laughs> or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, that September, two military army men were out rabbit hunting. They found a girl, eighteen-year-old Lori King, not far from the other bodies. Were the not far from where the other bodies were found. She was strangled and shot. Ugh. Wait, wait, wait. So Doris hasn't been found yet. Doris right? still hasn't been found. Okay. Um, but they're finding all these other ones right. near in between North Pole and Isles. Not a good sign, but her body has not been found yet. So yeah, yep. Uh, so the troopers decide to stake out that stretch between North Pole and Isleson because that seems to be where his dumping grounds were. Right. Um, they sat there for days on end, tracking anyone's movements and you know trying to match a vehicle description and. They still just couldn't find anything. Those two vehicles were able to stay under the radar. So investigator Sam Bernard was like, I've had enough. I'm going to fly out to Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I'm going to study the police uh, procedure for the massive manhunt and capture of the Atlanta child murders. Because right at that time there was a, another serial killer in Atlanta that was uh, preying on young black boys. Oh no. So he came back with something to help with the case in Anchorage they had to make this like ginormous computer that would um, allow the local troopers, the police and investigators to enter all the lead information into the statewide database. So before this, everything's by paper oh and word of, of mouth. Of course, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me though. Yeah, because we're just we're so behind. But also, it was in the eighties. So yeah, um, they so now they were able to enter any leads into this database, and anyone can and access it. Anyone can enter. And they leads. can like match up. The, yes, right. Uh, they also turned to the FBI for help and used the behavior behavior specialist analyst to help them. The FBI profile came back with a single man, lives alone, and can't hold down a job. Although the FBI said they can't hold, although the FBI said that they can't hold down a job, the investigators couldn't overlook that the fact that the description given was that he had a military haircut. Okay. okay. So they're like. We can't rule out with two bases here. We cannot rule out. Right. He might not be able to hold down a job in, like, everyday bases. Right. But if you're in the military. You you have your job regardless. You yeah. Unless you do something absolutely terrible, like murder people. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they include, included the military in their search. They asked Glinda Sodomain's husband to come back in another time because he's in the military. Oh, my gosh. For a third polygraph test. And this time they had like a polygraph expert come in and do it instead of themselves or something. 
And the guy, a few minutes later, the guy came out of the room and he's like, he can't take a polygraph test. This guy has a heart murmur. It's always going to come back <gasps> oh, as inconclusive. Okay. So how off? I mean, g- good for him for like yeah. sticking with it and well, being I'm compliant. Well, I'm sure he wants to find who murdered his wife. Yeah, but still like. And then also prove that he's not the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> how embarrassing Gee, though. Like, how embarrassing for the yeah. person doing the original polygraphs. Like, isn't that something you should ask beforehand? Do you have a heart murmur? Yeah. So months, it is also Alaska, months later, or months went by without any new leads. They assumed that the killer either died or left the state because there were so many murders within a a short amount of time. So they're like, this is very odd behavior for them. So they started to search the lower 48 to see if there were any other connections. First, they asked the guards at Eielson to give them a list of all the military men that would have had a vehicle that would match the suspects going in and out of Eielson. Okay. The Air Force ba- force the Air Force came back with a list of 587 <laughs> military personnel that had a vehicle matching those descriptions. You don't realize how many people work for the military, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> it's not just uh, you know Air Force men. Yeah. It's it's the people working at the PX. Yeah. It's <laughs> so many, so many people. Uh, along, they also gave them a list of anyone that may have PCS. Brie, what does PCS mean? Moved here from another place. Or out. Or out, yeah. Um, after the fifth victim was discovered on September 1981. Why'd you look like you're on trial when I asked you? Because I, I I, was stressed out about it. That's why I wouldn't do good in a polygraph test. <laughs> what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, um, a- eggs. No, no, no. <laughs> Cereal, I think. I didn't have breakfast. Is it lame to have cereal? I didn't have cereal. Coffee. (laughs) (laughs) If it was Alice, she'd be like, "Um, I didn't have breakfast (laughs) because she woke up at noon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's still kind of breakfast. Lunch, (laughs) brunch. Yeah. (laughs) So November 1982, over a year since the last suspect was found, dead in Alaska. The investigators got a call from North Texas. A woman was found dead. She was strangled and shot in the head. So the investig the Texas so investigator Barn uh Barnstein, I almost said. <laughs> so investigator Bernard flies down to Hernita, Texas. The state trooper told Barnstein they already found the guy. And what? And Bernard was so excited. He's like, what? How? Like, tell me. Like, we've been lo- on this yeah. guy for, m- like, years now. Yeah. How'd you get him? And the trooper's like, well, the girl had a boyfriend that was a meth dealer and cooked meth out of the trailer. He ended up blowing up the trailer and himself, so they assumed it was him. Case closed. Done. Oh, okay, cool, because that's how it should work. No. Yeah. No. So Bernard was like, Okay, that's not whatever. You guys do what you guys need yeah. to do. But yeah. he, okay, he he <laughs> you was know like, what you're doing. I don't believe that that was a guy, and so he, he's like still on the. Why on would the a look. meth dealer be like? Let me kill you up. first. Yeah, and then I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah, I don't know. So Texas Air Force sent a, the Alaska State Troopers a list of all the airmen that had recently transferred from Eielson in the last year. And one name stood out among the rest. Thomas Richard Bundy, which is very close to Bundy. Mm, yeah, it is. <laughs> I kept writing Bundy. <laughs> yeah. uh, records indicated Thomas was a technical sergeant, which I don't really know what that is. I didn't look into it. E6. Okay. Yeah, but what's a technical? Tech. Just a tech sergeant. Okay. That's what Josh is. Oh. Tech sergeant. Oh, so it's not at his MOS. I don't know what that means. See? Oh, I see. It's it's a ranking. Oh, it's just a ranking. Okay. Sorry. Like, uh, MOS is like their job duty title. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is a rank. Okay. Yeah. Records indicated Thomas was a technical sergeant that transferred to Shepard Air Force Base near Wichita, Texas, shortly after the fifth victim was found. Okay. 
They discovered Thomas owed, owned a blue car and a white truck. The name popped out because at Ileson, Thomas had a long list of complaints against him for sexual harassment. Oh. So they're like, hmm, that guy looks interesting. That guy looks interesting. Uh, there was one thing that didn't add up, though. Thomas didn't match the FBI profile. They said that he would be single. Thomas was a devoted husband with two children. So yeah, you never know. It doesn't always work. Uh, so Trooper Bernard goes to Thomas's house in Texas to question him, and Thomas was compliant to answer questions, but refused, but refused to take a lie detector test or give a DNA sample, which I thought was interesting. So Bernard's like, all right, I got to go back to Alaska. They asked Doris's brother who saw, who saw the suspect before his sister was abducted if the picture of Thomas was the same guy he saw. And he was like, yes, that is the same guy. Okay. So Bernard and another trooper get a cheap hotel near Thomas's house in Texas and make up a bogus stakeout room to make it look like they've been on to him for months. Okay. Like there was like pictures and like a map and like very interesting. Well, how why? You'll see. Okay. Uh, Thomas agrees to come and talk with them. And so this is this is why. So because they wanted the bluffing. Yeah, they, they're bluffing him. They spend days on in questioning him, but they did never mention the murder at first or any of the murders. Uh, they were convinced there. So just to get to know him is what they were doing. And he was just like all about talking about himself. He loved talking about himself. Then after a couple of days, they started talking about the case, not like saying you did this, but convinc- they were like convincing him that they knew who did it. Right. In a sense, but never naming a name. Um, and he also never confessed or denied anything. He just listened okay. to them talk. And after a week of interrogation, Thomas showed up and handed Bernard a note and left. And it said, Dear Jim and Chris, I've really enjoyed talking with you these past few days. But you said I did these things, but I didn't. And they're like, okay, this isn't like saying you didn't steal the ketchup from Denny's. This is saying, like, this is... You committed murder. Yeah. And so they're like, this is... The worst denial we've ever seen. (laughs) So troopers managed to get a search warrant of the house, hoping to find souvenirs of some sort. They found things like similar ammunition that was used in the killings and a newspaper clipping about the profile the FBI came up with. When they found the clipping, Bernard called Thomas over and he's like, what the heck is this? And Thomas is like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's a souvenir. And he's like, really? (laughs) Really? And Bernard or Thomas was like, well, not that type of souvenir. Just a souvenir to remember, like, about Fairbanks. Like, uh, that particular? That like, one That's what you want to remember? Hmm. <laughs> he, he, was pro- he probably I mean, I get, like, you like true crime and stuff like that. But, like, that's, <laughs> that's a little dark to be, like, remembering the place where you lived. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> like, when we have m- the Aurora people, Borealis yeah. here. Most people go down to the souvenir shops. Yeah, we, we have the North Pole. <laughs> you know, you can go sit on Santa's lap. You, although I don't know if he should do that. But maybe a newspaper clipping of a FBI profile. That sounds yeah, that sounds normal. Yeah, he, yeah super good. Definitely. Super good. Chill. Totally get that. Uh, but I, I just realized that why he chose that clipping, because it wasn't the same. It wasn't the profile. Like, it wasn't the right profile. Okay, okay. So kind of like a bragging, like, ha-ha, they don't actually know who okay. it is. I just realized that that's probably why he picked that one. Yeah. All right. So. Especially since he, like, talked about himself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So before they could arrest Thomas, they had to get an arrest warrant from Alaska. And it wasn't like you could just punch it into a computer then. I don't know how they filed it, but it took a while. Plus, it was out of state, so I'm sure they have to deal with stuff like that. Yep, exactly. Um, So, the following night, Thomas called the Alaska State Troopers and told them, I can't 
find my car keys. I think you might have taken it with all the other stuff that you took from my house. And they're like, hmm, probably not. Okay. But all right. <laughs> it's kind of easy to see. Yeah. Uh, so McCain, the other trooper that was down there, said, I'll get dressed and bring them to you. And Thomas was like, oh, no biggie. I'm supposed to see you in the morning. And McCain was like, yep. Sure are. <laughs> He's like, I don't. Okay, we don't have anything scheduled, but sure, come on over come and tell me down. more. He's like, you're right. We are supposed to see you in the morning. <laughs> Eating out of my palm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, come down here at 0900. But during the talk, Trooper McCain said, you know, we just really want to resolve these series of crimes. It doesn't matter who did it. It just matters why and I know it wasn't just five girls calling his bluff. Okay. And Thomas was like, yeah, you're right. It wasn't. There was more. And uh, so he basically just confessed. Yeah. Uh, so they hang up and Thomas showed up the next morning. They asked him where Doris was. They're like, we just want Doris's family to have some closure, you know, be able to cry and pray over her body. And Thomas started crying, and he promises to go back to North Pole to show the troopers where he put Doris's body. Oh. They were worried, though, because they had no authorization to just arrest him in Texas without, uh, what is that called, a uh, extradited uh, arrest warrant. And so they had to cross their fingers that they were able to put him. He would go willingly on a plane. And then when they get to Seattle, he doesn't decide to go to like Disneyland. Right. And just go. So because they don't have Do any right authorization thing. to arrest him. Right. So they, they, that's what they were hoping for. But at the last minute, governor, the governor of Alaska offered the troopers a private jet to fly him him straight to Fairbanks so there's a governor for a private jet well you you have in order to get an extradited arrest you have to get the governor to sign off on it oh okay okay yeah. so he basically that was he, his approval that was his approval he's like go go yeah, get him go get him yeah so the next morning comes and Thomas never showed up shocker yeah <laughs> Which actually, it did surprise the troopers because he was so willing. Because to, like, he was, yeah, they're like, this is the first time he didn't show up. Yeah, uh, the Texas officers watching the house said that they may, he may have slipped by their view on his motorcycle. Then McCain got a call at the hotel. The officers told the Alaska investigators that Thomas dropped his taxes off to an H and R block. <laughs> Just okay. Honey, will you do this on the way out? (laughs) He's like, God damn it. Yes. (laughs) This is actual life, guys. (laughs) (laughs) People have to actually go pee in stories. (laughs) (laughs) Then he drove his motorcycle roughly 40 miles north of town, then turned around and drove 100 miles an hour across the center line and slammed straight into a (gasps) semi-truck. He obviously died. Yeah. The driver of the semi-truck survived, though, thankfully. Uh, Yeah, he did. So to sur- to verify that this was the right guy and not just, you know, another a decoy. Y- yeah, or, or lead. just a person. Yeah, they were able to match his hairs found on Wendy that matched Thomas and the ammo found in his own home matched the ammo found at a few of the crime scenes. Um on August 1986, Doris's school was found school was found near Isleson Air Force Base. <sighs> 6 years later. Yep. The troopers also learned that because of the job that he had, he was able to put up surveillance cameras in the his where his dumping grounds were, so he could go back and relive the murders and also watch the troopers while they were doing their investigations. Oh my gosh! And that that's is sick. Yeah, that's the story of the North Pole serial killer. Oh my god! Well, what was his garbage name? Tom, Tom Bundy. Tom. Tom- <laughs> Thomas Richard, which he went by Richard. Thomas Richard Bunday. Bunday. Jeez, that's crazy. That's wild how close their names are. Yeah. Man, that's so sad. I know. And you coward. Yeah. You freaking committed suicide instead of just giving your time. You didn't even say sorry to any of the families. Nope. 
What a piece of garbage. It makes me really sad for the fi- the victim's families. Yeah. And and for his wife. Yeah. Yeah. She had no idea. I know. At least he dropped all the taxes. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> did that. But yeah, I know. I can I can't even imagine their f- and that one poor guy who kept on getting taken I in. Know. He's like, I'm just trying to be a single dad right now. I just want to know who killed my wife. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So it, it hit home because of reading, like, the street lights and or the street names and yeah. stuff like that. That You're was. Like, oh, wow. I know exactly where that is. That's terrifying. Yeah. And so uh, I had to download and sign up for another subscription in order to watch the documentary on it because i like i like to research it and then watch a documentary if if there's one out you like more motivated if anything yeah and there was like videos of north pole and like you saw mcdonald's and it was so weird yeah and then they're talking about this murder and i was like (sighs) heebie-jeebies yeah kids play here yeah my child trying to run away from me here yes exactly <laughs> like they showed santa house. claus house and i'm like oh my god <laughs> that picture right there rick and alice stood right there and i took a picture oh man <laughs> oh that's yeah i'm glad we're oh wait everywhere's like this so it doesn't matter they're serial killers yes everywhere. exactly especially in the 80s though they were so yeah. big then. Yeah, I swear we have a serial killer out right now. I think I've told you that. You've before. told me that since we started the podcast, yeah. and I think you're right because there's always deaths around us. Yeah, and it's always. I feel like they just don't want to like like in the 80s. They probably would be like, "Ooh, serial killer, night cr- or nighttime curfew, yeah. blah blah blah." But like nowadays, they just they don't want to like Scare panic everybody. anybody. So you know, it's just like, oh, another day, another death. No. Oh. No big deal. No big deal. They're all uh, to do male here. Alaska natives, and they go missing. It's weird. Like deaths? Oh, I know. No, a they lot go of... missing. All right. So to follow us, we are on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, and Facebook. We also have a Facebook group that you can join and become a part of the neighborhood. Just search for our handle <laughs> at WWGN Podcast. <laughs> and Tony is eating my phone, which you can see on our Patreon, which Amy's yep. going to mention in a minute. Subscribe to our show on our website, what's with the neighbors.com, where you can find all of what I just mentioned, along with our merch, which is available for purchase and on there you can also find a link to our patreon which to be on the donor bus that is at patreon.com wwtn podcast at g um w patreon.com forward slash wwtn podcast for five dollars a month you can get our edited videos our unedited video episodes early and exclusive content and for three dollars a month you can get our audio episodes early exclusive content and both tiers offer a free wwtn podcast magnet also i just want to say uh if you want to see our christmas special it will be only on patreon so you can only get it if you are a patreon donor uh, feel free to slide into our DMs with any questions, comments, or story suggestions. We are always accepting your personal true crime, paranormal, and neighborhood stories for our occasional listener story episodes. So you can send it, it that to wwtnpodcast at gmail.com. Bree, tell me a story. Okie dokie. Here, chase the mouse. Okay. So, this spooky holiday season... I am telling fictional stories, um, and I got this book just for this. I wasn't going to read a story out of it, but I changed my mind, and also I can't get people to reply to me to give me people are rude permission to read their stories. So uh, I have a, another one just in case so for next week. So um, I got this book. It's called Ghosts of Chris Ghosts of Christmas Past. Oh, um, and this particular story that I'm going to be reading out of it is by you can purchase it on amazon and it is by blah 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 blah. that's who it's by it's by blah 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 it's by lp hartley it's called someone in the lift this is the story called called someone in the lift okay yeah there's it's like a book full of like different stories by different authors oh so um there's someone coming down in the lift mummy 
says mummy instead of mommy. Mummy. Must be English. No, my darling. You're wrong. That isn't. Sorry, I'll stop. Yes, thank you. But I can see them through the bars, a tall gentleman. You think you can, but it's only a shadow. Now, you'll see the lift's empty. And it always was. This piece of dialogue, or variations of it, had been repeated at intervals ever since Mr. and Mrs. Maldon and their son Peter had arrived at the Frompton Court Hotel, where, owing to a domestic crisis, they were going to spend Christmas. Oh. New to hotel life, the little boy had never seen a lift before, and he was fascinated by it, like what kid wouldn't be? Right. Uh, when either of his parents pressed the button to summon it, he would take up his he would take up his stand some distance away to watch it coming down. The ground floor had a high ceiling, so the lift was visible for some seconds before it touched floor level, and it was then, at its first appearance, that Peter saw the figure. It, always, it was always in the same place, facing him in the left-hand corner. He couldn't see it plainly, of course, because of the double grill, the gate of the lift, and the gate of the lift shaft, both of which had to be firmly closed before the lift would work. It had, like, little gates. Okay. He had been told not to use the lift by himself, an unnecessary warning. Because he connected the lift with the things that grown-ups people did, and unlike most small boys, he wasn't over-anxious to share the privileges of his elders. <laughs> he was content to wonder and admire. The lift appealed to him more as a magic than a mechanism. Acceptance of magic made it possible for him to believe that the lift had an occupant when he first saw it. In spite of the demonstrable fact that when it came to rest, giving its fascinating click of finality, the occupant had disappeared. If you don't believe me, ask daddy, his mother said. So this is like a ghost that he's seeing. It's a figure. A figure. We're just okay. going to say it's like a shadow in the in the lift that he keeps on seeing. But okay. as, soon it, as soon as it's there and down... And stopped, like, in place, it goes away. Okay. Oh, you have another one? <laughs> he has two to occupy him. <laughs> um, so, if you don't believe me, ask Daddy, his mother said. Peter didn't want to do this, and for two reasons. One of which was easier to explain than the other. Sure. Daddy would say, I was being silly, he said. You're so silly. You're so silly. That's not true. There's no one in there. There's no ghost. Oh, no, he wouldn't. He never says you're silly. This was not quite true. Like all well-regulated modern fathers, Mr. Maldon was aware of the danger of offending a son of tender years. The sure, psychological sure. result might be regrettable. But fruit, but fruit, no fruit. I don't know what that means. That's a very Fruid. woke dad, to be honest. Yeah. Like, like understanding, like, I'm going to be sensitive to him. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I agree. Uh, but fruit or no fruit, fathers are still fathers. And sometimes when Peter irritated him, Mr. Maldon would let fly. Although he was fond of him, Peter's private vision of his father was of someone more authoritative and awe-inspiring than a stranger seeing them together would have guessed. The other reason which Peter didn't divulge was more fantastic. He hadn't asked his father because when his father was with him, he couldn't see the figure in the lift. Miss Maldon remembered the conversation and told her husband of it. The lift's in a dark place, she said, and I dare say he does see something. He's so much nearer to the ground than we are. The bars must cast a shadow and make a sort of pattern that we can't see. Makes sense. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Tony's having so much fun. Again, guys, Patreon will pay off. So we have two phones out, guys, with um, cat toys on them. <sighs> watch Patreon to watch cats. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Aww, it's babies. He's, he's such a big baby. <laughs> okay. Um, Where am I at? Okay. So... Bars might cast a shadow. The kid might see them at his angle more. And so, yeah, that, that okay, sounds like that a logical sense. explanation, yeah. especially from an adult. Right. 
very oh logical. Gosh. <laughs> Double trouble. <laughs> At first, Peter was more interested than frightened. Then he began to evolve a theory. If the figure only appeared in his father's absence, didn't it didn't it follow that the figure might be, could be, might be his own father? What? In what region of his conscience Peter Peter believed this, it would be hard to say, but for imaginative purposes, he did believe it and the figure became became for him daddy in the lift. The thought of Daddy in the lift did frighten him, and the neighborhood of the lift shaft, in yeah, which. But why would, I don't know. It just wh- why would that scare him though? Because maybe it's another Daddy. I don't That's know. Weird. It's creepy. That would scare me. Yeah. Um. In which he felt compelled to hang about, became a place of dread. Christmas Day was drawing near, and the hotel began to deck itself with evergreens. Suspended at the foot of the staircase, in front of the lift, was a bunch of mistletoe, and it was this that gave Mr. Maldon his idea. As they were standing under it, waiting for the lift, he said to Peter, Your mother tells me you've seen someone in the lift who isn't there. (laughs) <laughs> like automatically says he isn't there. <laughs> His voice sounded more accusing than he meant it to, and Peter shrank. Oh, oh, not now, he said. Truthfully enough, oh, not now, truth. He said truthfully enough. Only sometimes. Your mother told me that you always saw it. His father said again more sternly than he meant to. And do you know who I think it might be? Caught by a gust of terror, Peter cried. Oh, please don't tell me. Oh. Why, you silly boy, said the father reasonably. Don't you want to know? Ashamed of his cowardice, Peter said he did. Why, it's Father Christmas, of course. Relief okay. surged through Peter. But doesn't Father Christmas come down the chimney, he asked? That was the old days. He does it now. Now he takes the lift. It's super cute. <laughs> Peter thought a moment. Will you dress up as Father Christmas this year, he asked, even though it's a hotel. I might, and come down the lift. I shouldn't wonder. Oh. After this, Peter felt happier about the shadowy passenger behind the bars. Father Christmas couldn't hurt anyone if he was, if he was as Peter now believed him to be, his own father. Peter was only six, but he could remember two Christmas Eves when his father had dressed up as Santa Claus and given him a delicious thrill. He a could, delicious what? A, delicious thrill. Uh, I love the I love the writing. So it's, I like the way they word things sometimes. Yeah. Um, I didn't know thrills could be delicious. Tastes uh, like candy canes. The delicious <laughs> flavored candy cane. Candy cane flavored thrill. Candy cane flavored favorite thrill that's it's a new it's a new it's a new taste by jolly rancher or something (laughs) it's a new jelly bean flavor (laughs) he could hardly wait for this one when the apparition in the corner would last become a reality (sighs) alas two days before christmas day the lift broke down oh on every floor it served and there were six there were five, six counting the basement. The forbidding notice, out of order, dangled from the door handle. Peter complained as loudly as anyone, though secretly he couldn't have told why. He was glad that the lift no longer functioned. Peter, and, Peter is the son? Yes. Okay. He was glad that the lift no longer functioned, and he didn't mind climbing the four, flight, four flights of stairs flight to his room which opened out of his parents room but had its own door too by using the stairs he met the workmen he never knew on which floor they would be and from them gleaned the latest news about the lift crisis they were working overtime they told him and were just as anxious as he to see the last of the job they were like we're ready for this to be over with let's fix this crap so boring (laughs) it's christmas we need to hurry yeah dude sometimes they even told each other to put a jerk into it 
I don't know what that means. Always Peter asked them when they would be finished, and they always answered Christmas Eve at the latest. Peter didn't doubt this. To him, the workmen were infallible, possessed of magic powers, capable of suspending the ordinary laws that govern lifts. I mean, he's not wrong. He's a little kid. He's so cute. I love his way of thinking. It makes me so happy. Yeah. It makes me feel like a kid. Look how they left the gates open and shouted to each other up and down the awesome lift shaft, paying as little attention to the other hotel visitors as if they didn't exist. Only to Peter did they vouchsafe a a word. (laughs) But Christmas Eve came. The morning passed. The afternoon passed. And still the lift didn't go. The men were working with set faces and a controlled hurry in their movements. They didn't even return Peter's good night. Yeah, they're probably ticked they, off. They're like, we're ready to get home to our families. Yeah, what the Kid, heck? This is a stupid lift. I can't believe that these hotel people are so petty that they're making us work on this lift. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all can't go down some stairs to go enjoy your Christmas meal. No. <laughs> must must complete lift. Must complete lift. Top of le- list. When he passed, uh, didn't even return Peter's good night when he passed him on his way to bed. He had begged to be allowed to stay up this once for dinner. He knew he wouldn't go to sleep, he said, till Father Christmas came. He lay awake listening to the urgent voices of the men, wondering if each hammer stroke would be the last. And then just as the clamor was subsiding, he dropped off. Dreaming, he felt adrift in time. Could it be midnight? No, because his parents had, after all, consented to his going down to dinner. Now was the time. Averting his eyes from the forbidden lift, he stole down. He he stole downstairs. There was a clock in the hall, but it had stopped. In the dining room, there was another clock, but dared he go into the dining room alone, with no one to guide him and everybody looking at him? He ventured in. And there at the table, which he couldn't always pick out, he saw his mother. She saw him, too, and came towards him, threading her way between the tables as if they were just bits of furniture, not alien islands under the hostile sway. This is his dream? No, he's awake. He's awake now. Okay. Yeah, he just woke up late. He wasn't supposed to fall asleep, I don't think. Oh. Darling, she said, I couldn't find you. Nobody could. But here you are. She led him back, and they sat down. Daddy will be with us in a minute. The minutes passed. Suddenly, there was a crash. It seemed to come from within the kitchen, within the, from the kitchen, perhaps. Smiles lit up the faces of the diners. A man at the nearby table laughed and said, something's on the floor. Somebody, (laughs) somebody will be for it. What is it? Whispered Petey. Peter. Petey. I like Petey more. I like Petey. Too excited to speak out loud. Is anyone hurt? Oh, no, darling. Somebody's dropped a tray. That's all. To Peter, it seemed an anticlimax, this paltry accident that had stolen the thunder of his his father's entry, for he didn't doubt that his father would come in as Father Christmas. The suspense was unbearable. Can I go into the hall and wait for him? His mother hesitated and then said yes. The hall was deserted. Even the porter was off duty. Would it be fair, Peter wondered, or would it be cheating and doing himself out of a surprise if he waited for Father Christmas by the lift? Magic has its rules, which mustn't be be disobeyed. Mm -hmm. But he was there now, and his old place in front of the lift, and the lift would come down if he pressed the button. He knew he mustn't, that it was forbidden, that his father would be angry if he did, yet he reached up and pressed it. Oh, naughty, naughty. He thought of his consequences, and he did it anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, Peter, come on now. Such a Petey. Such a Petey. But nothing happened. The lift didn't come. And why? Because some careless person had forgotten to shut the gates. Oh. Monkeying with the lift, his father called it. Perhaps the workmen had forgotten in their hurry to get home. Yeah. There was only one thing to do. Find out which floor the gates had been left open and then shut them. On their flo- their own floor, it was. And in his dream, it didn't seem strange. Oh, it is his dream. Oh. I was confused. Okay. This makes more sense. <laughs> this makes <laughs> so much more sense. I read this earlier, and I must have, like, Natalie must have interrupted me or something. Or one of my children. Yeah. Um. So, 
on their own floor, it was, and in his dream, it didn't seem strange to Peter that the lift wasn't there, blocking the black hole of the lift shaft, though he didn't dare look down it. The gates clicked too. Triumph possessed him. Triumph let him lent him his wings. He was back on the ground floor with his finger on the button. Okay, this all makes so much more sense. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I, like, spaced out for, like, a paragraph earlier. <laughs> a thrill of power such as he had never known ran through him when the machinery answered his touch. It's because he's thinking about this dang lift so much. Mm -hmm. But what was this? The lift was coming from below, not down from above. There was something wrong with its roof, a jagged hole that let the light through. But the figure was there in its accustomed corner, and this time it had, hadn't disappeared. It was still there. He could see it through the mazy crisscross. What was that? The flies. Oh. He could see it through the mazy crisscross of the bars, a figure in a red robe with white furry edges and wearing a red cowl on its head. A red a cow? Cowl. C-O-W-L. I think it's like a fur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, his father, Christmas. Father, His father, Father Christmas. Daddy in the lift. But why didn't he look at Peter? And why was his white beard streaked with red? Oh. The two grills folded back when Peter pushed them. Ew, that's gross. Toys, <laughs> toys were lying at his father's feet. But he couldn't touch them, for they were too red. Red and wet as the floor of the lift. Red as the jag of lightning that tore through his brain. What? That's it. The end. <laughs> it just left you, like, hanging. Yeah. All these stories in this book leave you hanging, and I'm like, what? I need a, You're just, like, left to wonder. Um, it sounds like um, something covered in blood came up the lift. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I was thinking, like, Father Christmas, like, ate something. Yeah, I was thinking Father Christmas killed something. I don't know. And there was a hole in the top of it. I don't know. But it just, that made so much more sense now that I realized that he was dreaming. Because I was earlier, I was like, how did he, like, fly? How did he go from one floor to the next with, like, wings? Why, this kid has quite an imagination, but, like, now, I, it's like I just read it for the first time, but I read it twice earlier, but I guess I just didn't catch on to those parts. <laughs> well, they said, like, th he asked, he begged to stay up. Yeah, and then he fell asleep. Dinner. Yeah, but I, my thought was, why, that, why isn't this boy going to dinner? Why can't he go to dinner? I was, yeah, right? Like, you're going to put your kid to bed at 5 o'clock? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you guys going to eat dinner at midnight? Like, is yeah. that normal? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, that was Someone's in the Lift in The Ghosts of Christmas Past. Again, you guys can purchase it on Amazon. And that particular story is by L.P. Hartley. So it's just a book full of a bunch of short Christmas spooky stories. I just like it. Kind of give, like, they're not, like, quite terrifying but you know they're just a little bit of chill in the air yeah i like but. it um i can't read my neighborhood story i'm sorry you're good do you want to hold it up for you oh my god i'll hold it up for you i just i just okay so this is from next door and it's called titled charging your cell phone on my christmas lights whoever is charging their cell phone on my open outlet of my christmas display nice trying to hide it in the sleigh I removed it, so just let me know when you want it in the charger bag. Picture <laughs> is in, pictured is the area, but didn't want to shame the phone. I hope you liked the decorations enough to eyeball the open outlet. If you need help, let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> that is such a modern day problem. <laughs> yeah. But also, why are you charging your phone on someone's decorations? Just go home and charge yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I might, I don't know, like maybe they're homeless. They could be. Yeah, because a lot of homeless people have phones. Still. Yeah. Or, a t like, I picture, like, uh, what I call them the um, neighborhood rugrats or oh, something. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. 
I can't remember a bunch what of I call hoodlum them. kids. The, the hoodlum, the hoodlum kids. Yeah, <laughs> they're just out playing. Literally me growing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I'm gonna go charge my phone on their Christmas lights and talk about it for the next two years. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I can charge my phone on on Christmas lights. So f- I'm such a badass. <laughs> Break all the. Ro- they wrote a note about me on Facebook and everything. <laughs> Why am I talking like that? I don't know. Is that how you used to I'm talk? Being a little bit ghetto. Oh my gosh, Bray, that's so embarrassing. It was for like you. Southern ghetto though. Like it, I know. I'm not. I'm not proud. Okay. You shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went and scratched my cheek, and Leon squealed. He went. Oh, he looks like a little ball right now. He looks <laughs> like a big ball. <laughs> he's getting so big still. Like I, I can't know. believe he's like still growing. Are we talking about you? Is your eyes open? Do you want to say goodbye to everybody? He was. <laughs> um, we're gonna get. We gotta record our Christmas special that you can find yep. on Patreon. We're gonna go be doing some fun kind of activity, Yay. which you guys can watch. So it might be a disaster. Yes. What's with the neighbors? Say hi to your cats for us. Say meow. Meow meow. <laughs> <laughs> At least he meows.